we have about 15 20 minutes half an hour and we can have questions mm. yes please that uh, these adverse forces or hostile forces could also act through your loved ones uh, yes so if it acts through ourselves then we can like do practice in yoga but if it acts through someone else who is very dear to you how do you deal with uh, yes this is a very good question very practical question how do you act when they make those who are near to you instruments equanimity is a basic thing so one has to make sure that there is no bitterness or anger that comes within us because that's what they want they want to turn you in i mean the person into uh, by these reactions because when people are very close to us it's uh, not so easy to practice samta not so easy to you know stay calm and that's what they want that's why they attack but if we yield to it they will make these uh, people who are near to us and dear to us more and more the instrument but then now they find they know that this is the excess route so one has to be even more careful and even more vigilant and practice samta second is that you will see that telling that you know never uh, this knowledge is not meant for it to be shared by everyone so it's not like you know uh, telling people that you know you are under the influence of adverse forces no no not at all because humanity by and large lives under the siege of darkness so it's not about this or that person but rather at that point of time if we can practice peace inner peace it has a tremendous effect also to see and that takes a lot of courage what is it in me that is opening the doors to this uh, uh, this kind of reaction or responses within the other person sometimes there is something within me maybe i think that i am very sincere and walking on the path but i am missing out something most often people miss out on love this is what i have seen because they think uh, being one pointed means i just will not talk to anybody i'll just sit in meditation i'll just not interact that's not what it means uh, so uh, very often there is something within me which must learn to um, uh, bring out a greater power of love you see what did mother do mother did that only uh, what did the world give her the cross in payment for the crown every time divine beings come what was christ's response i forgive them compassion he brought compassion mother brings divine love so we can respond with compassion that well people are under that's why this knowledge should not be misused that oh so and so is under hostile force and adverse force no that's not what it means it means we understand human beings go through difficulties and challenges and to bring a greater compassion to bring a greater power of love or to awaken it within to offer these persons people these movements to the divine and lastly to pray for them that's something we can always do let's take a practical example there is a fight one sided fight presuming somebody through a lot of anger who who loves you and who apparently who is dear and near to you let's use that word loves is a very big word so what do you do uh, normally there there can be various reactions within the being one of them is we re- re- start vibrating with those vibrations and speak things in that anger which later on we regret this is the worst kind of response we know it uh, second kind of response is we are feeling angry inside but we are putting up a mask of facade of goodness outside and stoic kind of thing uh, third kind of response is i am talking of ignorant responses and there are truer responses third kind of response is that inwardly i am you know we curse that moment or why you know so and so is in my life or near to me all these are dark response we are playing into their hands actually uh, what is if we tell such a thing 
these are not the responses which a person who is on the path should make uh, the response should be just the opposite to understand that people are caught up in their difficulties and issues and when uh, what at least i can tell you that what i would do when such a thing happens what i would do i'll go to the samadhi and pray pray to the mother mother bring peace to so and so's heart because the person is whom should you feel sympathy on if at all sympathy again good this word came up because shubindu says don't be in sympathy with somebody who has taken the wrong path so there is a kind of sympathy which is dangerous oh poor fellow if somebody has gone hostile just cut off yourself from that but this is a different kind of thing where you you know we start feeling oh i am so miserable look those whom i love they don't care about me then we have actually these forces have come with us that look nobody loves me care then they are actually playing instead of that mother you have blessed me with your love and you are the giver of peace and harmony give peace and harmony to so and so's heart that person is troubled i can tell you i have seen hundreds of times it works like a immediate antidote you don't have to say sorry or hear a sorry or that's worse you must say sorry what is sorry forgiveness whom do you forgive there is no other bring compassion peace light uh, love and i have seen so many times that when such a situation has arisen everybody has to face this by the way you know it's and i have gone and prayed at the ashram mother bring peace and harmony in that heart uh, mother your light should awaken once more within half an hour i get a call i am really sorry i lost myself <laughs> whereas i have seen in earlier days taking the other response oh you are you know we have taken this path this is not what we are supposed to do it's like a disturbance and i have seen it multiplies 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 cascade what is the path path is here it's not there it's out here it's the way we take go through life becomes the path cut upanishad recently we read the objects are the path if i uh, think about difficulties within myself and within people and their problem their negative nature negativity then what happens my path will be through the jungle of negativity because i am thinking about it but if we focus on the divine presence in everyone after all everybody is mother's child even those who are near dear whatever everybody is mother's child so we have to support each other's energy there must be a reason why somebody is there in our life yes the person may not give us the so called space joy pleasure we are not here for that there is some reason why people are there in our life and we need to support this doesn't mean that we have to just cling along together i am not saying that you know people can split up they can go this way that is a different thing but there should never be a bitterness and hatred in the heart there should always be love and compassion and the sense of peace the difficulty and challenges of everyone in the path and that works wonderfully so these are just some of the practical suggestions and always to keep equanimity very tough calling but as i said we are here to do tough things can't get the nectar of immortality not for the weak nayamatma balihine that strength has to be with us to bear a titan's force and yet remain undisturbed and calm very difficult nobody can deny it but we know the goal we will go that way
just we are discussing the adverse forces just i would like to share you remember you reminded me very lot that not to tell a lie is the absolute condition of the safety of the path please elaborate on that sir yes <laughs> many things open the doors by the way there is a flower to which mother has given name never tell a lie never tell a lie it goes more than not to tell a lie <laughs> so there are many things which open the door to these forces and what is worse is falsehood now when we talk about lie there are three types of lie one is the lie which is like an instinctive habitual uh, which doesn't mean much you know you are rushing let us say for a work and somebody calls you up i am giving a practical example and you know you are in a hurry but if you just say that you know you are hurrying up it may be impolite at the same time you want to convey that you know please call me later so some people instinctively at that time just say you know uh, i am busy i can't take the call things like that uh, maybe you know innocuous lies like that where you could have spoken but you you say something else this is a common form of lying this is the least harmful kind of lie then the second category of life is where there is a conscious and deliberate lie and this is done just to deceive there is a intent behind it if i tell a lie it makes me gives me this advantage if i tell a lie i will have this benefit i will make profit so to cheat people to deceive people by telling lies this is a dangerous form of life but even this is not yet so dangerous the none of them is good but the worst kind of lie uh, mother says that is where you uh, are revolted against the divine that's a attack of falsehood and you completely deny this is a lie we tell ourselves we cheat ourselves we cheat our very soul you know that's the most dangerous kind of lie where we deny the divine deny the divine grace deny the divine love most people don't consider it as a lie at all they would say it's my free thought so when it is said never tell a lie all these levels but at the same time the caveat is you don't have to always speak the truth we can remain silent and there is a way to speak things sometimes it's good simply to say look i mean it's okay people understand nowadays that you don't want to share what you don't want to share just stay quiet let them fill in those blanks as i said somebody will fill those blanks if you don't say it's okay maybe there'll be some misunderstanding but not everything can be shared or spoken to everybody and you would you have a right to privacy and right to your and i think all this has come and people have become a little more accepting of this that well you know you 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 can't always speak everything so the first kind of lie is very easy to cure don't have to say everything and anything uh, decide what you have to speak step back and speak uh, the second lie is dangerous because you know so there we have to detect it that well what is behind this movement i want to cheat someone i want to deceive someone i want my own profit for that i am telling things and to ruthlessly excise it offer to mother pray to her take it away this tendency that's how it will go it's it has roots in the very darkness the third kind of lie never ever that there is no divine there is no grace even if we have not experienced we should be agnostics even when we don't experience because when we say negative then we are actually affirming a presence against which we stand that's why shubindu says the highest 
thought of the mind is agnosticism. Agnosticism is fine. It's not a lie. It's I don't know. You say, no, there is no divine. What am I doing? I am actively opposing something. And if we have turned on the path and then do it, the consequences are phenomenal. It's like something better not even thought of. When we have turned on the, gone on the path, when we have experienced the touch of grace, when we have experienced even a drop of that love, and then to turn back, Shobindo uses the word, it is to turn back on your spiritual possibilities and take the spiritual consequences, which means God knows how many lives, because it's an hour of God, we miss it, who knows when. Yes, please. Yeah, I would ask you to speak a little bit on truth because often I recognize that truth has a very, from common people, very harsh uh, understanding. Mm. So Very beautiful, uh, since you clarified it and qualified it. Truth, Mother says, is supreme harmony. And uh, there is a very nice conversation of her, which in one of the All India magazine I just took out. I don't know. Was it probably February issue or some? So there she speaks about it because she gave a message, cling to truth. So she says, people have started coming to me and they have started pointing falsehoods in others. <laughs> and she says, everybody has their own falsehoods and truth. Somebody is a vegetarian, he thinks those who are taking non-veg food are in falsehood. <laughs> She gives many such, such, this example, one example. So she gives such, some such examples. And she says, what to do? I am the one who told them to cling to truth, very humorously. And then the disciple asks, mother, but what is truth? She says, yes, that is what I have written. Truth cannot be defined. But someone who wants to live it sincerely will know it. So truth is something, the moment we define it, when we define, we have created a narrow and a rigid wall around it. Then it becomes my truth versus your truth. That's not what truth is. Truth escapes. Truth is infinite by its very definition. Look, the Vedic Rishis, what did they say? Satyam, truth. Ritam, it knows the right law of each thing. Vratam, vast. It is vast, all-encompassing. But right law means what? That vastness is not the pell-mell junk store where of the waste paper basket. Because people pick up truth and vastness. But there is rhythm. Rhythm connects the two. Rhythm means that everything has its own law. And we must act in accordance with that. To give an example, someone in the ashram, I give that example of Tirupati. Shubindu sends him away from the ashram. Now somebody would say, you are so vast, why did you do it? For him that is better, it's important. Sometimes even people were sent all the way to Nimhans, Ganga Dharan, such wonderful supramental experiences and yet he lost his balance. So the mother sent him all the way to Nimhans to get treatment and see what happens there in Nimhans. In Nimhans every night he sees a nurse who comes with uh, coconut water and he drinks it and after two months he's out and he wants to thank this nurse and there is no such nurse. <laughs> so he comes and asks mother, mother what is it? I, this nurse used to come and give water, coconut water. So mother smiled, Where, was it you? Mother smiled and said, of course yes. Why did you then send me all the way to Nimans? You could have given me coconut water here. Now that is the beauty and mystery of the divine. 
the right law of being. This pressure he was not able to take. So he had to be sent away. Nimaz becomes an excuse. Sometimes you need to work on the material gates. But ultimately the cure is coming from the grace which never abandons. So the right law of things means this. Because ultimately the cure for all this is oneness. And mother speaks of that. The Shurabindo based his action on oneness. And then Shurabindo qualifies that there is a right understanding of oneness. And there is a wrong understanding of oneness. And he gives the example of the elephant and the Mahavat. He says, a man goes and says, all is Brahman. Okay, very good. So, there is the elephant coming and the man sitting on top says, please get out of the way, can't you see the elephant is coming? He says, you are, you are having illusion of sight. You don't have the true knowledge. True knowledge is, elephant is Brahman, I am Brahman. How can Brahman harm Brahman? So, the man sitting there says, see, I don't have all these kind of knowledge, but... I know for sure elephant will hit you and throw you away. And he says, no, nothing. He stands with arrogance and sure enough the elephant throws him away. And Sri Ramakrishna's story stopped there. Sri Ramakrishna says, why didn't you listen to the Mahavad Brahman? But Shurabindu takes it one step further. He says, this is a wrong way to take oneness. But there is a kind of oneness where you will not be harmed even if the elephant comes away. And that is when you have really that state of humility, not the pride and arrogance of knowledge. You are shielded by the divine grace. And there she brings the story of Prahlad. Prahlad, she says, is the story of living in oneness. And when a person lives in oneness, one is protected. But there you have to see the one divine everywhere. It doesn't mean born homey sympathy with the nature. So truth is always brings harmony because it also brings a state of oneness. It is never harsh. Harsh truths are always uh, ascetics, uh, um, rather ascetic asuras we read about. They make truth very rigid and very harsh. So very often they become strict disciplinarians and they try to, uh, you know, if you don't do it this, you are not following the path. Sometimes I used to ask, even here, people have made mother into strict disciplinarian, authoritarian. Some people felt like that and even went away. So I used to ask earlier that, you know, I have a very different ex- you know, experience of the Divine Mother. Uh, so once I remember asking Taradi, I said, you have been lived with her from childhood and people say that, you know, she was strict disciplinarian. I, to my experience, she is an embodiment of love. So what is your take on it? She says, indeed, mother is love. She is love. People don't understand. They have turned her into that image because the asuric mind wants to see the divine in that image. And then they make everything harsh. Shubhinda speaks of that in Savitri. A harsh philosophy where they, they punished people for the sins that in themselves they enjoyed. So, truth is never harsh. It's very beautiful. It's very delightful. It brings harmony instinctively. It brings sweetness and a warmth. But that is the truth which is inside. And we will know it. Each one has to figure it out for oneself. And we will know what we have to do at a given point of time as per the law of truth. But we should do it without bitterness and harshness. Even if we have to walk away. Cutting off. We have to fight a war. It should be done with that state of being in harmony with truth. What is called as sodharma and then of course higher forms. Divine dharma. Mother has used the word dharma is the only word you can use for this law of truth. If you act according to dharma, there is no problem. Because you are not trying to hurt anybody. You are not trying to please anybody. You are simply trying to live by the truth. Then there is no problem. 
Yes, please. So a thought came to me that if I'm I'm the one who somehow observe like you know if I see pain or suffering someone in someone else, I soak a lot, and somehow that person comes to me for help or something. So, okay, I give myself, but then at the same time I notice I'm also suffering. Yes. So how can I help myself? Yes, very good question and good you. Though it may not, it's a little different, but it's relevant in a certain sense. And I passingly mentioned, when I said good, I spoke this word sympathy. Uh, one cannot help another when one is at the same level. This is the axiomatic truth. And that's why one has to first arrive oneself at a state of, or a poise, where one has the strength, the knowledge, the light and the peace to help. And that's what Shobindu speaks even in synthesis, that what is true compassion? True compassion leans from above. It has the power to cure. Otherwise it's very risky, because one will end up taking, swallowing all the poison, but one is not Shiva. So if we swallow the poison, we are not Shiva, we have either, you know, we end up suffering or even dying, which is not what we are meant for. And it's also not about becoming a martyr. So we have to, for a long time, strive only towards arriving at that fundamental truth, light, peace within us, before we do it. Sri Ramakrishna put it in this way, when somebody started, you know, uh, prematurely trying to help. He's, he said, you have not even gathered money in your account and you have started giving. <laughs> this one. Shobindo says in Savitri that she found God's truth in paradoxical term. Only who save themselves can others save. And if we follow this trail, then while it is a good deed, one cannot say it's something, uh, the motive is good. But very often then these forces will make sure that one is tied to that level. So one has to at the most keep a balance. One has to know where to draw the line. At least. I mean if that is the dharma, kindness and pity comes naturally to oneself. One cannot say it's a bad quality. It's a good quality. But it's uh, the first focus should be on and the majority of focus should be on uh, finding the soul and calling the divine grace, offering these people to the divine grace. Not sometimes, you know, when we want to help someone, we take it too much upon ourselves. So, uh, uh, what I say often in clinical practice, don't play God. Don't play God. The person may improve, may not improve. The person may listen, may not listen. It's perfectly fine. So, but when we press it beyond, then we are playing God. Only God can do that. And if we... Become one with divine, yes, we can do it. But till then we should be clear that look, you know, if we go beyond a point, sometimes good just to give a suggestion. Sometimes maybe you may like to uh, interact a little more. But all the time to keep that inner poise. And if that is getting disturbed, one has to be very conscious. I can share with you one experience and uh, because it's not just about uh, people who are in difficulty. Sometimes you can actually come across beings who are um, uh, almost in a state of position. So, during early years of my psychiatric practice, I had this uh, person and uh, the moment the person sat before me, I would actually experience all the energy flowing from the hands and the feet. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I'll come back exhausted. The moment I went back, I needed to just slump and do something, call mother and you know. So, 
I went on to tell my professor that I think, uh, sir, I would, because I knew I am more, more, very sensitive. Probably this won't happen to somebody else. I said, I would like to transfer this case to someone. He said, no, 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 you are the best person to deal with it. And I took it as a challenge, but not knowing what to do. So trust me, I tried various things. Till one day, uh, how you can be guided. I had mother's picture on my table like this, pointing towards me. So, you know, when I was talking to this person and instinctively I was holding more to protect myself. And while doing this, unwittingly I did it like this. And I experienced the whole field cut. The entire flow of energy stopped. And I realized this is so wonderful. I didn't know, you know, it works. So then I did it few times. Soon thereafter, after a few weeks, there was a talk at this in Bangalore, Bangalore Bhavan and uh, someone had come from Pondicherry and he said something very interesting that when Navjadji asked mother that when people are very angry and very hostile, what do, you, what do I do to defend myself? Because, well, I have to deal with them. It can apply to medicine also or you know, healing also. She said, put myself between you and the mother. And I realized, my God, very instinctively I was doing it. So now I made it a way of practice that whenever I have to deal with, you know, you have to deal in life with all kinds of things, put on gloves, safety gloves. And the safety gloves are mother's presence, mother's name. So uh, that's what will protect us. Otherwise, if we get into an ignorant movement of sympathy, we may be sucked into it. Uh, even medically it is known, fully at you where people begin to believe uh, the suspicions and delusions of another person because of very close sympathy. And uh, we should be careful. Compassion and sympathy are two different movements. So, anything else? Uh, any last bit? Other, yes, please. It's a question which is not directly related to the topic of your talk, but... If I may ask you, uh, what is the right uh, yogic attitude we should have when uh, a large number of people in the community express that they have, they feel strongly discriminated? So, if we turn to yoga or if we turn to the mother, what's the right answer one can give? That to is very simple. See. Uh, you mean if oneself, one, one feels discriminated or some others are feeling discriminated? Either which way? Both, both. Both ways. For oneself it's very simple. It's a joy and a blessing to be in solitude with the divine. So if the entire community discriminates and cuts you off, a true yogi, he will turn everything to honey. He will not complain. He will say, thank you mother, you have given me quality time only with yourself. <laughs> He'll be grateful for this. And I'm telling you honestly, all of us go through these things at some point or the other. By experience, I can tell you, it's a great joy. It's a great relief. It's a moment, quality time with the Divine Mother uh, you can have. If others are discriminated, many things are there in life which are what we know as evil. We can do two movements. One is, within me, I must make sure I don't... Discri discrimination, of course, there is a higher kind of discrimination we have to have, but that's not based on caste, creed, color, racial. I'm talking of that discrimination. There is a higher discrimination which one has to make. There are beings who are actual 
influences and spokespersons of falsehood and one is to stay away or maybe even you know keep them at arm's length i am not talking of that yogic discrimination for yogic purposes but the ordinary discrimination in life where people do it in terms of your power position etc etc and the world is full of these things everywhere it is full of these things one within me i shouldn't have a single movement of that so i should even more thoroughly search is there within me some kind of a discrimination uh, again this word i am using in the ordinary sense of the word and i should cast it out do i judge people based on their uh, externalities based on their power based on their wealth based on their degrees learning etc if yes i must need to put it back so equanimity towards people and situations and circumstances second as to the larger collective every day if i am deeply moved by this evil i should offer it to the divine mother that mother take this from earth it's a burden we are carrying there should not be life should not be like that it should be beautiful harmonious and we should offer it but yes there is a higher discrimination which a yogi exercises he does not indiscriminately mix with everyone and anyone uh, you know saying that well all are one that will be the wrong use of oneness the mahavat brahman and the elephant brahman what happens to that person is not your lookout but you should know what is what yogic life is about that that comes from rith the word rith so that's yes please you can further then uh, the next question uh, mother has given us objectives for the purpose to be in oroville uh, one of the key exercises that she has asked us to experiment is unity in diversity yes but then um, how can we experience that unity in diversity uh, unless we are not one with oneself earth earth is the example earth is the example see there is a what unity in diversity means again rith has to brought be brought in and beautifully it is seen in earth and the mother says evil is something which is not in its place things should be in their place everything has a place but if you put them pell mell together it's dangerous it's like a snake now i had a uh, air force officer uh, staying two two rooms after me who one day called me see i have a pet so i went very excited about the pet he had a crate snake inside his room kept under a jar he said that's my pet i said look you know maybe tomorrow you come i'll talk to you in office <laughs> now that's not a pet you are threatening yourself and threatening the community life it's like diver unity in diversity surely would not mean if somebody says i am going to make a nuke because i have a freedom and i am going to experiment what if the community blows up well i have my freedom so everything has its place so if you want to make nuke there are nuke laboratories out there and you should make nukes because that's your turn of being so fundamental unity and diversity before that comes the premise that you must be a willing servitor of the divine if that is the case then making nukes if you feel making nukes i am serving the divine all right we can't take away this fundamental premise because that is the first fundamental of our will then comes other things if i take away this first fundamental then everything is falsified so in earth snakes live tigers live deer lives all kinds of mutual enemies live but they live because they each has a place now we should not take divine's example because how divine reacted and often i give this example of shiva on mount kailash all the enemies live together shiva has put the snake around himself 
Snake's enemy is uh, mouse. Mouse is Ganesha's uh, vehicle. And snake's enemy is Garuda. Not Garuda. What is that? Peacock. Peacock is Kartike's vehicle. But he holds them together. Shiva can do it. So Divine Mother could do it. She kept some beings who were completely hostile, very near her for her own purposes. But that is not a rule which she has recommended. Ideally, things should be in their place. Now, how they can be in their place? Certainly not by discussions, arguments and my view, your view. Things will be in their place the more we invoke the law of truth in our own life. That's what she said when she was asked, what will supermind eliminate? She says, eliminate? Well, if we go by what Shurabindu has said, it will eliminate nothing. Then she says, perhaps hypocrisy. <laughs> it will eliminate hypocrisy. And then she says, rather it will put things in the right place. So there is a order and when it will happen? Well, it will happen when we are all ready. But that is something which only divine can undertake. Collective harmony can only be undertaken by the divine. No human can, being can do it. But we should try to live our own life under the law of truth and harmony. If we do it, it will help the larger purpose. Even when we observe that things are not in their place according to our uh, understanding. Still, they are where they are. I think we can stop here. And uh, just two lines, uh, because we began with Savitri, the same passage, you know, it started with those lines, Man, man's house of life holds not the gods alone. Man's house holds the, the titan, the fury and the jinn. Man's house holds dangerous guests. The titan and the fury and the jinn lie bound in his subconscious cavern pit and the beast growls in the entered end. Then Shurabindu goes on to describe what they can do. Disrupt thought, rampage, carnage upon earth, all these things. But he ends with two beautiful lines, this whole passage. That's what we should remember. And I think they are the ultimate take-home points. But there is a guardian power. There are hands that save. Calm, eyes divine, regard the human scene. Thank you.